And we need to pray for the Basie family, who we're about to experience what uh, most military families have experienced and are experiencing, and uh, that is a deployment. Uh, I think, Mike, you said this is the last Sunday before you deploy and will be gone for a number of months. That's good. There are worse places you could go. Are there other prayer requests that any have that we would like to be aware of today? Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you that we can gather here this day as your people to be instructed by your word, to uh, have fellowship, um, and to pray for one another. We do want to pray for these uh, requests that have been mentioned. We pray for Bobby Lou's sister Abby as she is uh, going through this illness. We pray that you would encourage her. Um, and her family be her strength. Uh, we pray for Elizabeth's grandfather and for their family, that you would be close to them during this time, that you would uh, be with him as he is about to enter your presence, and that even in this hard time that it would be a, a time of blessing as they recognize your goodness to your people, even, even in death. Uh, we pray for the Basie family, that you would be with them during Mike's deployment. We pray especially for Mike that you would um, give him wisdom and strength so that he will be a blessing to his troops and that during this time you would use him in a mighty way to uh, preach your word and to encourage people who are in a, um, in a stressful situation at a time when they may be more open to uh, turning to you and relying on your truth. So we pray that you would use him during this time um, in, a, in a strong and mighty way. Lord, we pray that you would bless this time today as we continue to look at these hard issues and that you would help us to understand your perspective on all these matters. We Thank you for the time and pray that you would be present in Jesus' name. Amen. Hopefully you all got uh, a handout, and if you look at the bottom of the handout, you'll see the lyrics to him that uh, would like us to sing, Rejoice, the Lord is King. <clears throat> Let's stand and sing. <clears throat> Thank you.
Be seated. <clears throat> well, for those who were here last week, if you recall, we um, introduced the concept of the emperor has no clothes. Um, and I would like to give you the Emperor has no clothes report for today. Uh, let me back up and say this. Um, you know, is the reason we're doing this class, the reason the session decided to uh, even take on these issues, is that the session, we as elders have a responsibility before the Lord um, not only to provide sound teaching, but also to protect against false teaching. And we are bombarded uh, in society every day with false teaching 
and it's not just secular issues. Um, hopefully we're going to be able to see this video today. Um, but the thrust of this is to point out that these issues are not just secular issues, that there is a spiritual battle going on. And these issues of abortion and sexual identity, transgenderism and wokeness and critical race theory all have religious implications uh, as you dig down deep into what is actually happening. And that's the reason why it's important for us to look at these and to look at what scriptural truths apply. And so that's the whole reason why we're doing it. And so, you know, this is, I don't know, about the third week when I've brought forward these news items. I mean, it's hard to even pick up a newspaper on any given day and not see something that just illustrates what we're talking about. So in a sense, when I bring you the uh, Emperor Has No Clothes report, it's being a little bit lighthearted, except that we're talking about serious issues here. So if you remember, those who were here last week, remember the question that I asked before we started talking about uh, the Emperor Has No Clothes? What was the question that I asked? Can men get pregnant? And I gave you an item that I saw on the news. Well, this week, this week, there was a committee meeting of the House Judiciary Committee in the United States Congress. The House Judiciary Committee had a hearing. And one of the things that came up, it was, it was regarding abortion. And it was actually a uh, congressman from North Carolina, Congressman Bishop, was uh, part of this committee and asked one of the people uh, before the committee, who was a lady named Amy Arambad or something like that, uh, director of an abortion advocacy group in Texas. And he asked her that question. And when this says, the report says, when asked if she then believed that men could therefore get pregnant and have abortions, her response was a simple yes. So in a committee before United States Congress, presumably under oath, um, this person... Yes. And men, and men, since they, well, men have no right to speak out on this issue. Exactly. As I said, the emperor has no clothes. All right, so item number two in the Emperor has no clothes. 
report for this week. This item, I heard this on the radio and then looked up an article giving the details. Um, a New York high court uh, is to determine if a Bronx Zoo elephant is a person. And I don't see, I mean, this, this was a court case. A uh, animal rights group went to court for Happy the Elephant. Um, I don't know the answer to that. Um, but anyhow, the issue is the animal rights group wanted the New York court to declare happy to be a person because they felt like the elephant's rights were being violated by being confined in a zoo. So in a New York court, there were attorneys on both sides having a serious legal argument about whether an elephant is a person. Now, why do I bring that up? How do we relate that to the abortion issue? Good quote, yeah. A person's person, no matter how small, born here to do elephant and all that. So I guess you've read that book more recently than I have. So. <laughs> it's a pro life book. That is, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't agree, disagree with your point. I'm not sure I'd say the animal has a right. I think humans have a responsibility to, to treat them, you know, in a proper way. Yeah, I know that's what you meant. But my whole point is, what absurdity, what, what inconsistency to have arguments like this. I would love for someone to confront that group and say, Okay, um, can you apply that argument to the unborn baby? Um, that's the whole point. Is all right. You you can have a, an argument in court with lawyers on this, and yet you can't say that an unborn baby, late term, about to be born, is a person worth protecting. You want to declare an elephant to be a person to be protected against treatment in a zoo, but not confer personhood on an unborn baby about to be born? So 
consistency is thrown out the window so they can use whatever they want to advance their own agenda. That's exactly the point. And that's what we need to be thinking as we see these things going on. All right. So the emperor has no clothes, item number three. Um, I must have heard this on the radio, I'm not sure, but I found the article online about the World Swimming Coaches Association met and came up with a report detailing its position on transgender swimming. Now, who knows what this issue is? Yeah, the issue is, for those who may not know, I don't know what his name was before, but his name now is Leah Thomas, a biological male who was a good but not top-level swimmer, college swimmer. We're talking about up in the Ivy League somewhere. Um, And he decided that he was not a man, he was a woman, uh, has undergone some kinds of treatments, not is extreme treatments as some undergo. I think he's something like 6'4", broad shoulders. Um, and so he, essentially, he, he, he dominated uh, NCAA competition this year, earlier this year. And he won the NCAA championship in the women's 500-meter freestyle. So, and, and you know, there again, Imagine that you are a girl swimmer who, and you know you probably know from watching the Olympics, I don't know if anybody here is a swimmer. These people put in incredible amount of time training, and they work their way up into college and competition, and then if they continue on into Olympic level. So they put in huge effort. I mean, it's basically their lives. And so they work their way up, and they get into this competition, and now they're swimming against a 6'4 guy who says he's a woman, and the guy wins. But he's not a guy, he's a girl. Um, and so, anyhow, it, it was a good thing that this uh, World Swimming Coaches Association met they decried this situation, and they've come up with some options about how to do it, uh, having separate, they, they, they offered three options of different types of competition, one that would be just for women, uh, and maybe one for like others. Uh, but the point there again is, you know, these are issues, I mean, these are issues that we see every day. Um, Every Sunday, uh, I hardly know what's going to be in the paper. You know, so I looked at uh, today's paper. Two things about abortion. Uh, one is about the abortion ban in Oklahoma, and they're having to work through issues. Uh, and I won't go into that, but it's really good because this is what we're going to see. We're going to see this in North Carolina. Uh, and this will relate to how are we as individuals and citizens going to be involved in resolving some of these things. 
Oklahoma is just a little ahead of us. But this is the one I wanted to uh, call to your attention. The headline is, Archbishop Pelosi will be denied communion over abortion. <clears throat> you know, Pelosi is the Speaker of the House. She's Catholic. And the reason I'm bringing this to your attention is last week we talked about the importance of words as we're seeing things and hearing news reports. It's not just the issue and how it's reporting, but it's also the words that are being used that can frame um, how someone responds. And so this article starts out, the conservative Catholic Archbishop of San Francisco said Friday that he will no longer allow U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to receive communion because of her support for abortion rights. And that's, that's an interesting thing um, because the way the Catholic Church is set up, there are archbishops around the country. Some are conservative, apparently. Some are liberal. This one in San Francisco is holding the line, the Catholic Church line, about abortion and holding her responsible. Well, the archbishop who covers Washington, D.C., has not taken that approach. And it says the, uh, the archbishop of Washington, Cardinal Wilton Gregory, has affirmed that Biden is welcome to receive the sacrament there. So, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting issue. Um, but there again, as you read articles, look at the terminology that's being used because that frames how, uh, how things are being reported. Um, what I hope we're going to be able to do here in a minute is to uh, watch the first part of what I think is a very good video on social justice. And part of the challenge of this class, there's so many, much material available, so many resources available, but, but to find something that fits our format here and our time frame um, has been kind of a challenge. And Lord willing, we're going to be able to uh, watch this first part of this video, but this is uh, a fella on the second page of the handout that I gave you is a little bit of information. Um, this man, John Harris, is, is, is kind of interesting. He has a podcast called Conversations That Matter. I don't know if you've ever listened to that. I, I listen to it fairly frequently. He's a young man, um, maybe 30 now, I'm not sure, a little older. Uh, but he attended Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And while he was there, observed the tendency in the Baptist Seminary towards these woke-type issues um, being favorably taught and espoused. And it just really concerned him, and so he started exposing it, and it just kind of grew from there. Um, and so this particular uh, video is he was part of a 
um, presentation uh, with some other speakers, but his is a, a very good, uh, concise history. The part hopefully we'll watch here in a minute is the beginning, which gives kind of the background of the development of um, the social justice issue. Uh, and next week he gets more into the, the philosophical part of it that we see in all these issues coming up. So you've got some, some information there to follow. Um, but his main thrust, and, and he'll mention this at the beginning, is, is what I mentioned before, that even though these seem like sort of news, secular items, this is ultimately spiritual. You know, our theme verses for this whole series, particularly the one from 2 Corinthians, um, where it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. That's the whole point of what we're trying to do is to be aware as we think through these issues and, and not be swayed and led astray, but take thoughts captive. And also to realize, you know, these issues that I mentioned are, you know, you know kind of interesting. But think about the details of what are happening. You know, every one of those babies who are aborted is precious to God. Um, you look at these individual transgender people, particularly the ones who, as they are very young, just going into puberty and you know, all that that involves, are under the influences that they are, and then are led down this path and receive encouragement. Some of them um, start getting treatments. Some of them you know, have surgeries and, you know, basically ruin their lives. And I, I don't know what the current statistic is, but I think it's been fairly well established that if you have a group of people with the highest level of suicide, it's transgender people. So taking a young mind, and whether it's teachers at school or videos on TikTok, or whatever it may be, the encouragement that they're receiving, you know, you are who you think you are, um, let's help you with that, uh, we can get you treatment without your parents' knowledge, and you go down this path, the lives are ruined. Is that not a spiritual issue? So, you know, as we see these things, there's you know, kind of a, they're, they're interesting, they're disturbing, but it's ultimately spiritual. And that's the point. So, no. All right. I thought that was the message, and I stand for it. I don't know that 
This, it's this one. Well, this is what happened before, Steve. It just circles. No, we'll we'll uh, go to Plan B. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. That's okay. So, uh, hopefully, Lord willing, we'll have this worked out next week, um, and we'll go from there. Because the the thought was this, and next week give you a good. Uh, summary of the social justice issue. And then the final two weeks are uh, a presentation which you can go to his podcast that I think would be extremely valuable. It's about protecting our children from these concepts. Um, If you just go to your um, you know, the, the app store and type in conversations that matter. Yeah, it's an app called Conversations That Matter. The guy's name is John Harris, J O N. Excuse me? Yeah, isn't that what I just said? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a podcast. Yeah. I mean, I just listen to it on my phone. And he does several a week. Uh, and, and, you know, there are other people like this, too. It's just that uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. This has sort of become his cause uh, just because uh, he was exposed to it when he was in seminary. I mean, he's, he, he, he's on the very conservative side of this. Sometimes, I won't say to extreme, but maybe takes it further than some people would. Last week, he also did a uh, podcast on a debate, supposed debate, on um, the Gospel Coalition on these issues. Um, but anyhow, um, hopefully we'll, we'll have this ready to go for next week. So, let's get back to the issue of truth. Um, you know, that's, that's what all of this is about. We have the truth in Scripture. Um, you have a few of the verses there. 
on the front. But ultimately, what we're trying to do in all of these issues is to look at them from the perspective of God's truth. Um, And let me ask this question. Who, Who knows what cancel culture is? You heard that term, cancel culture? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. For the last two weeks, I've included in the handout this chart, and I didn't put it in there today because I was going to put it in next week and have this discussion next week. But we'll do it now. And th- this is this would be like a a, a cement word worth a, a semester class in philosophy, this, this one page right here. But, um, and this is put together by a fellow named um, um, Dylan. I can't remember his first name, but he's a, a youth pastor in a PCA church up in Kentucky or Tennessee. And I was going to use some of his materials, but... Uh, yeah, Kyle Dillon. Uh, but this is his chart, and... Um, I think it's it's really a, a great uh, condensation of all these issues, and and here's the um, the way truth has has gone from uh, what he called the pre-modern pre-liberal area where truth is transcendent, humans submit to it. That's our perspective as Christians. God's true. God establishes truth. He's transcendent. Our job is to discover it and submit to it. Then the modern classical liberal view is truth is neutral. Humans master it. Um, then the postmodern, and Connor talked about this a lot in his presentation on uh, uh, identity and, and postmodernism, but truth is an illusion. It's all word games and power plays. In other words, it's, it's relative. That may be your truth. That's not my truth. But where we are now, Postmodernism. Truth is a weapon. It can be used to oppress or liberate. And is that not what we're seeing in cancel culture? And don't be deceived. Cancel culture is very real. Um, Has anyone heard about the new government organization that was established, I think, the week before last. 
Well, that's that's what the that's what some of the pundits are calling it. It's the Department of Disinformation Governance. This is not a joke. There is now a Department of Disinformation Governance. And actually, there's been a subsequent development that the Department of Justice has opened uh, an office or a department that's sort of along the same lines. Um, I forgot what the name of that is. But they, they have their own version of this. And this, the, the issue with that is, under the Department of Justice, they have subpoena power. And all that that entails. But the Department of Disinformation Governance. Um, we, we are seeing these things happen. Um, You've probably heard on, on the news where, um, you know, over the last year, a number of people, including a former president, were taken off of um, Twitter and Facebook and you know, maybe some others um, because the gatekeepers of those public information sources determine that um, what he and, and lots of others have been saying is disinformation. Um, and what's interesting is that now on some issues like uh, everything related to COVID and vaccines and things like that and some other political issues uh, that were debunked at the time have since been shown to be true. So so now these things are back on some of these forums like Twitter and so on. But a year or so ago, uh, these people were kicked off because it was disinformation at the time. So the thing that we need to keep in mind as we see all of this is who are the gatekeepers? Who is it who determines what is disinformation? And what is their philosophy? What are the principles that they follow? Have y'all seen anything like that? Have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it applies to all of us, but that's that's one of our main motivations of wanting to do this is to create a sense of discernment to understand um, that news people, you know, they all have a perspective, they all have a bias, and we need to be able to discern that so that, you know, we filter, you know, what we uh, are being fed through a lens of, of biblical truth. Anyone else seen any examples of that?
because certain ideas aren't tolerated. When, when John Harris started getting into this, and he just kind of started a blog, and it just grew and grew and grew, and he said that he was just astounded because he started hearing from professors from Christian schools telling him, you're exactly right, this sort of thing is happening at our schools, but I can't speak out because, you know, I'll lose my job. Uh, and, and that's an effect of cancel culture. Um, so um, what you were saying made me think, and I think I heard this in one of his podcasts, it may have been someone else, talking about a family who had a Christian son who they took to a college. I can't remember what school it was. I'm not sure it was mentioned. Um, and, I mean, you know, you get assigned roommates. And this guy had uh, three roommates one was transgender and two were homosexual. Um, and he essentially tried to witness to, to one of the roommates and the roommate reported him. And now I can't remember all the details, but it was like for harassment. And so this student was having to, you know, kind of face charges of harassment for trying to witness to his own roommate. Well, I don't remember. If, I don't. I don't know that it was a Christian college. Um, but these are things that are out there, and so that's why we need to be thinking about these issues and and uh, you know gaining that that discernment. One of the things that uh, I meant to mention about this uh, World Swimming Coaches Association. Um, the, oh, this is a quote from a five-time Olympic, Olympic swimming coach talking about this move towards inclusivity in sports could have a long-term devastating effect on women. He says, if it doesn't end soon, the devastating effects of this inequity will filter down into the high school and age group levels of competition with young women being denied college scholarships and recognition they have earned at all levels of the sport. Regardless of the developmental level, when athletes believe that the playing field is not level, that the deck is stacked against them, and that some of their competitors are unfairly advantaged, they will lose all incentive to participate. The vast majority of people in sport and in the public domain see this for what it is. Emperor has no clothes. When they have the courage to speak their minds like the women from the University of Arizona who have voiced their opposition, it will end. 
Let's hope that happens sooner rather than later. And the phrase that really uh, spoke to me was, when they have the courage to speak their minds. So in other words, they didn't just absorb it. They spoke out. Kind of like the little child who said, that emperor doesn't have any clothes on. Other thoughts? Yeah, and and you know, there's a good argument that that's a that's a good move to provide for more opportunities for women's sports. But what we're talking about here is, I mean, where are the feminists in this argument? Um, you know. Well, I think it's essentially the gatekeepers who, who are the ones that believe this stuff and who want to keep propagating it. But it's like almost everyone else sees right through it and says, why are we doing this? And that's what this coach is pointing out. Uh, you know, I, I guess it's mentioned somewhere else about this uh, Arizona women's swim team. They finally spoke out as a group saying, this is not right. We can't do this. And so now people start getting on board and, and saying, yeah, that's, that's right. We shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, right. Thank you. 
Mm -hmm. Which again points out how effective it could be for people to speak out. You know, and by the way, I, uh, the the little article that you put in one of your handouts from Kevin DeYoung, I don't know if any of you read that from a few lessons ago. That was really, really good. I may include that in the handout here before this series ends. That is so good. Talking about the back and forth of, well, we can't do this, but yet on this hand, this is what's being said, but then on the other hand, <laughs> Just really good. Any final thoughts? Okay, let's, let's close our time. Lord, we thank you for the fact that we can rely on your truth as we uh, confront and are uh, bombarded by all these uh, crazy issues. Um, and we want to have discernment, we want to uh, be loving, we want to understand your truth and how to apply them specifically to all of these things. And as we deal with people in, in these various situations, that we would have the ability to show love and compassion, but yet to stand firm uh, on your truth. So we pray that you would continue to help us with that. We pray for our time of worship to follow, that you would be present and that you would be pleased uh, in that worship. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.